for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. The voice of a changing world, Chris Smith, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got to say, just from that interview I did with Ben Davis, I am gobsmacked, totally gobsmacked, that after what his wife went through, they would continue to take boosters. Like, it's one thing to be confident of vaccinations for your children, but it's another thing entirely without the benefit of experience, but with the benefit of so many vaccine injuries that you would have faith in that. He's obviously, I I, I don't know, maybe there's something in the family, maybe there's a doctor that they're convinced by or something, but to take boosters and even for Mel to take boosters after what has happened to her, I find inexplicable. And I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Quite amazing. And let's just hope that she can get back to near normal eventually. And now they've left London and back at home in Brisbane. Career smashed to pieces all because of the jab. David sent me an email. Now, one of the big contentious points out of Gaza at the moment, as you've heard, and nauseam in the last four days has been why Israel is putting so many people inside that that key hospital in Gaza City in danger. And their argument is that Hamas, as they have been found to do in previous times, uh, put their main headquarters and those of their terror leaders in areas that can be protected by human shields. That is, underneath hospitals, underneath refugee camps, underneath schools, etc., etc. And if you are as bloodthirsty and, 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 you know, savage as they are, which we saw on October 7, you can understand why they would do it, because they're animals. But how close are these tunnels, and is it true what we're hearing? If, we, if it is, how unbelievably difficult would it be to get to the bottom of a hospital without doing damage to the hospital? Anyway, David sent me an email and says, Chris, I would only believe Israel regarding these hospitals, and I want you to watch this video that has been put together by a soldier. Um, mainstream media seem to be getting the facts from the Hamas spokesman, Mr. Fafo, and the social media sensations. Do a Twitter search for Mr. Farfo. Well, I tell you what I did. I did look at the video that he sent, and it's quite interesting. I want to play you just a snippet of it. And it's, so this soldier goes ahead and films himself going to the walls of the biggest, one of the biggest hospitals in Gaza, where the electricity for the underground tunnels are actually on the wall of the hospital. So they go down to the base of the wall of the hospital, underground. Um, It's been blown to bits, and you can see the tunnels, and he points out exactly where they are. It's like part of the hospital. Have a listen to part of this video right now. I'm here in Gaza City. We are here next to a house of a terrorist. This is one of the senior terrorists who is the head of the operational naval operations that led the raids into Israel. His house is right next to a, to a school. His house is 200 yards from the hospital, the hospital of Rantisi. Next to his house, there is a tunnel. Now I wanna show you an operational tunnel. The tunnel is built with electricity. We first saw the solar panels, then the electricity goes here. 
and it goes down directly to the tunnel. Now you can see the tunnel. You can see the tunnel. The tunnel is let down more than 20 meters down. The robot found a door, a door that is bulletproof. It's, uh, it's explosive proof. So it looks like a hard evidence, a clear evidence that the hospital direction is connected. Quite revealing. Um, you should try and gravitate towards this video. We might be able to put it on our website, but I'll leave that to the powers that be to decide whether to do that or not. But when you have an entry to a major tunnel, and I've seen the video myself, it looks so sophisticated with its own power, with its own air conditioning as in vents. There are vents associated with these tunnels. When you've got that scenario and you've got explosive-proof entry points, how the hell do you extract these Hamas terrorists? How do you get rid of them? How do you do... How do you get even get entry to get the dogs in there to work out exactly how dangerous it is unless you blow the hell out of the joint? So I'm understanding what the, you know, the problem and the critical situation facing Israeli troops is. But the world right now do not want to see people who are on death's door in a hospital affected by this war. It's always been the case where hospitals are off limits, but when Hamas use the hospital as a shield of sorts, as this video shows, you kind of understand the problem at hand. Meanwhile, big problem today for Karen Webb, who is the New South Wales Police Commissioner. A high-ranking police officer has been charged with high-range drink driving but cannot be named because of operational reasons. The unidentified 46-year-old executive allegedly attended a function in the Rocks Precinct in Sydney CBD in May this year before getting behind the wheel of his police-issued car whilst off duty. CCTV footage from the Rocks allegedly shows the officer having more than 20 alcoholic drinks before jumping behind the wheel. If he's an executive, you would have thought he'd known better because after 20 drinks, he's likely to kill someone. Now, we all make terrible decisions in our lives that we would wish we hadn't have made. And no doubt this 46-year-old executive is in that boat. But truly, why is it so secretive? Why can he not be named? Now, Karen Webb is under all sorts of pressure from various sections of the media today to right the wrong here, to treat this man like you would treat a normal citizen, as many citizens are treated in courts today as they face their drink driving charge. What is wrong with the commissioner? Can I add to that, I got a call today from a very good source of information that says that Karen Webb's tenure as police commissioner in New South Wales is coming to an end. I say that because the information is that the Premier of the state, the new Premier of New South Wales, did not have any role in the election of Karen Webb as the new Premier. That was the previous government's selection. And as such, they want to get rid of Karen Webb. They think that she cannot do the job and they are willing to allow her to retire at the end of this year. There are only 46 days left of the year. So it's due to happen very soon. And they've indicated to her that if she doesn't go and indicate that maybe she has personal reasons for retiring, that they will get rid of her and sack her in the beginning of 2024. The Labor New South Wales government is not happy with the performance of Karen Webb and today, apparently, this case was the tipping point. 
So that's the information I've received. Let's see how true it is. This is TNT Radio. The news you want. They cover the important story. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, thank you, Rita. Rita from Jamboree Heights. Fantastic part of the world on the south coast of New South Wales. Chris Grant Newsham. We had Grant Newsham on the program on Monday, the former Marine. Absolutely brilliant, she writes. Good on you, Rita. I'll pass it on to Grant. Straight facts, clear and concise, no hype, no agenda. Uh, Much better than some regulars, if it is not poor form to say that. You can be as critical of what we have here as you want. It is an open slather free speech forum, don't worry. Um, And she says, P.S. has 2GB eaten a large plate of crow yet? I don't know, Rita. That is, those people are well and truly out of my mind right now. I've got another job to do, which is right here on TNT Radio. And uh, have a chance to speak to the likes of Prue McSween, who, of course, is founder and director of Verve Communications, former television journalist and radio host, and she's on with us right now. Prue, welcome back to TNT Radio. Thanks, Smithy, and I'm sure they're missing you over there at the other <laughs> side. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know about that. Listen, I've um, I've seen some anti-Semitism in recent weeks. We all have. We've heard stories from, you know, very little towns where anti-Semitism has raised its ugly head. We've seen it in cities. We've seen it in Europe, elsewhere. But this one stands out to me. A Sydney company that rents jumping castles has refused to rent these games to a Jewish school, telling them, I don't want your blood money. Free Palestine. The Australian newspaper reports that Western Sydney Jump reacted with hostility to a request yesterday from Masada College in Sydney for a quote for several outdoor games for a function, including a jumping castle that was supposed to be held this Friday. The owner of the company then posted the school's request and his reply on the company's Instagram site, What's the IDF bombing campaign got to do, Prue, with young Jewish kids in Sydney on the other side of the world hoping to have a little bit of fun on Friday? Well, absolutely nothing, Smithy. But, of course, we should be grateful to this company because they've actually come out from under their rock of bias and and bile and vilification Uh, You know, they wrote on Instagram. And by the way, this person who wrote this, the owner of the company, is a Sheila called Tanya Jones, who I understand was born here uh, and actually only married a Muslim. So, you know, she suddenly acquired all this venom and hate. Uh, Well, we don't want, she doesn't want their blood money. We don't want her bloody mindedness. And I hope that everybody in Australia marks it down that they are never to employ Western Sydney Jump for any child's party or any event because clearly I believe they're un-Australian and they don't deserve it. You know, we're, they're feeding into this vilification, this spread of hate speech, and it's, it's just not to be tolerated in this country no. anymore. Turn up to your pro-Palestinian if- marches and your rallies if you want, but don't crucify young kids at a school who probably don't have too much of a grasp on the conflict as, uh, either, you know? Well, it's and what annoys me is that what's the anti-discrimination mob doing or the, you know, the Human Rights yeah. Commission doing about this? Because... You know, clearly there's. we've got to dial this down. There should be zero tolerance, but yeah. sadly there has been tolerance. The fact that these Palestinians, and let's face it, 
most Australians haven't got a problem with Palestinians. We've got a problem with Hamas. But it's astounding that the Palestinians don't have a problem with Hamas, given what they're doing to the Palestinian people in Gaza, from, you know, using them as human shields, as we've seen with this hospital, uh, and using them as an opportunity to spread their propaganda. They don't care how many children, how many sick people and elderly people are killed, because this all goes to their narrative. And this is the problem. And... So we have this situation here where we've imported this problem. We don't want this problem no. imported. We're a harmonious country that has lived side by side, but suddenly there's legitimacy to these incredibly damaging protest marches where they are spreading vilification. And we've got to have the government step in and start uh, uh, I don't know, finding the people, uh, stopping these protest marches. Uphold the laws of vilification. Hide. Uphold the exactly. laws of vilification. That's as simple as that. You, Meanwhile, in Victoria, yeah. school kids have been drawn into the conflict as well there too. The Victorian Premier has even encouraging pupils to skip classes on November 23 to join a major march for Palestinians. Now, I recognise the human rights message here, but do they need to be drawn into this in such a confronting way? Well, the thing is, Smithy, as we know that uh, sadly with the education system we have in Australia, most of these kids wouldn't even know what was going on in Gaza. They would have no idea of the Middle East conflict and tensions over there or what happened during the Holocaust. So, you know, when I was at school and I was in the debating society, you had to present both sides of the argument. You can bet they're not being told what's been going on over there. And uh, per perhaps they haven't even been told what happened on October 7. So, you know, I think it's quite astounding and upsetting that we now have this situation in this country where our kids are being groomed since early childhood. They're political pawns in this case. And, you know, I think it's up to the parents. What are the parents doing not stepping in and saying, my child is not going to be part of this activism and being used as a pawn in a political movement. It's a kind of brainwashing of our kids. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen the hysteria and the mental anguish of kids who've been exposed to the climate change propaganda where they believe there's been no, uh, you know, there's no future for them. Now they're being led into a, a cult of acceptable ethnic vilification. And there's a story I mean, on both sides. Both sides of exactly. climate and both sides of the Middle East. Look, I see that the federal Labor government has given one UN relief agency $20 million, the same agency whose members celebrated those horrific acts on October 7. Does that surprise you? No, not at all, because, no. you know, this is the big problem for the Labor Party. You know, they have so many supporters of of the Palestinians and in particular what by default I suppose the Hamas group and they're anti-Israel and this is the problem that you know they're they're quite happy to feed millions of our money to these groups there's no accountability with any of this aid that's going Right around the world. No. We've seen it in, some, uh, you know, uh, Solomon Islands. We've seen it all over Papua New Guinea. You name it. And in this case, 
it's probably funneled straight to the Hamas terrorist group. Yeah, you would, you, so would, they need you wouldn't to be, be able to have any faith in the money going in the direction that it was meant to go. You're exactly no. right. And the Labor Party is starting to show its true colours in many exactly. ways. Let's have a break. We'll come back. I want to talk about a number of things, including what the High Court has done with these detained asylum seekers. It's become a greater mess than it was before. We'll talk with Prue McSween right after this on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Katie Hopkins. Regardless of your own personal opinion, I find the moral clarity of what he says here to be both refreshing and having sat recently with Jewish friends just back in from Israel, someone standing and saying this, I think is precisely the kind of language people are looking for. I want to make clear Israel's position regarding the ceasefire. Just as the United States would not agree to a ceasefire after the bombing of Pearl Harbor or after the terrorist attack of 9-11, Israel will not agree to a cessation of hostilities with Hamas after the horrific attacks of October 7th. Calls for a ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terrorism. There is a time for peace and there is a time for war and Israel will stand. And uh, clearly I've received uh, and I will receive and I will continue to uh, receive a criticism for being a major supporter of Israel and people's right to have one nation state when Arab countries have 22 or 23, depending on which way you divide them. But I think clarity is needed. Katie Hopkins on TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got Prue McSween with me now. Gee, the High Court is about to have blood on its hands. The first group of long-term detained asylum seekers have been released into the community. There are several pedophiles, there are rapists, there are four murderers in this lot, including a hitman. And while police are busy monitoring their daily movements as if they need another load, no one has worked out what to do, Prue, if they offend and need to be detained because detention is against the law, at least against the law for them. It is a mess. Well, this is what the hand-ringers in the government, the inept um, leaders of this country who knew this was coming, and did nothing. It's typical of Labor. And the thing is that there was a, a, a really interesting uh, lawyer on Sky, and he was talking about the options that are available to the government, and that includes giving them a limited and conditional visa where they can only reside in a certain place, like Christmas Island, or or find some sort of an uninhabited island somewhere off the coast of Australia and build a camp for them. And they can control that. That's something that we could monitor where yeah. they are living, whereas now they're in our community. They could also pass legislation um, where they give them maximum compensation of a dollar. 
Now, up till now, they're getting all kinds of entitlements. They're, you know, getting 10 grand to set up a a nice, cosy house. Um, They're getting all sorts of Centrelink payments. So, you know, there was an opportunity for the government to pass that legislation. And then they can also reassess their protection visa claims because apparently the current assessment process has been really very faulty. So, I mean, there's plenty of things they can do. But instead, the government's sitting on their hands and it's just, what is it going to take, the murder of someone or the rape of another child oh. before these low It's likely, lives? Prue. It's likely. I'm not willing it to happen yeah. at all, but it's likely. There's no control because there are 80-odd of them. The police, we haven't got the manpower no. to be able to monitor, no. monitor them. You know, this is how stupid and how slack this government is. They're not protecting our interests. They're too busy off on ideological, you know, quests and have no, no, fa- no function when it comes to making our lives easier and better. Yeah. It's really appalling. Their heavy-handed intervention in the energy market is according to a major report this morning, turning off private investment. An independent industry think tank has warned this, and they're saying that Labor has a $320 billion infrastructure investment gap. $320 billion. Um, This is all in their mad race to build renewable sources by 2050. This net zero target won't be reached, and it was never remotely possible anyway, was it? Look, it was always going to be a disaster, Smithy. We all knew it was going to be absolutely impossible to achieve and the wrong way to go about shoring up our um, our, our, our energy supply yeah. and also, you know, beating the meeting emissions targets if we'd had nuclear. But, you know, why would any company want to invest in this country when it comes to renewables? Because you can't trust this government. They either pick their winners, and of course they've picked a bad one. See, tip, tip, Twiggy Forest has just pulled out of his big pillager renewal energy yes, zone. His big they hub. can all see it. That's right. They can, we can, they can see it all on the wall that this is going to be a total d- disaster. No one wants to accommodate the transmission lines. There's no way that their timetable is going to be met. No. This is just crazy. And we've seen the, all the impact of the overseas um, issues, the environment of the inflation, the higher interest rates. You know, there's too many people, big companies are saying, why would you do business with this government that is clueless? Unless they're a grifter who's already got subsidies, why would you bother? And, you know, this is the problem we're going to find. We all know that this is a hiding to nothing. We're spending all these millions, if not billions of dollars. We're not going to achieve what Bowen, our energy minister, our no. deluded energy minister, um, is trying to do and we're just sitting back waiting for the chips to fall where they will and I we can, know it's going to be disaster. I want to implore my listeners today who may not have been listening at this time yesterday to go back on our episode section on our website tntradio.live and look for the interview I did with Greg Canavan from Fat Tail Advisory the most incredible, non-emotional, non-political, economic and investment analysis of net zero's impossible Mm. task that you have ever heard. It was dynamite. 
I implore you. It was dynamite. Oh, Mm. incredible. Go back and listen to it if you've got a chance. It is uh, must-listen radio, let me tell you. Now, columnist Nick Cater, Prue, has exposed the BBC for the left-wing ideologues they are. Their world service program, The Inquirer, has smashed the result of our voice referendum and the way white governments have treated Aborigines to this very day. They've got a group of historians who are saying, to this very day we're mistreating them. (laughs) Talk about a hit job and talk about not knowing the true realities of life in 2023 in Australia. Well, the BBC's always been so pompous. They look down on, you know, our low-life colonialism, uh, the fact that, you know, we're descendants of convicts. If they can stick the boot into us, they're going to. So they assembled this bunch of, you know, live ones, the usual suspects, professors, <laughs> uh, you know, earning their money, you know, telling telling students that, you know, we're vile people who've exploited our Indigenous, uh, you know, brothers and sisters. <sighs> they got... Uh, Thomas Mayo, the communist, self-confessed communist activist. Oh, he got a Guernsey, did he? The yes. Oh, you got a Guernsey oh. too. And, of course, he said that we had a simple message, just recognition through an advisory <laughs> committee. He he didn't he didn't he neglected to say that of course the voice is going to pave the way for reparations and and treaty etc. We were all on to him. Yeah. But of course you know they had this narrative that we have been so vile to the indigenous populations that we put them in the desert that we've not done any good to them that Kevin Rudd was wonderful because he said sorry but nothing else has happened since. I mean the narrative was so appalling and basically it was telling the 60% of Australians who voted no that we're all ignoramuses and, you know, that we are, you know, these illiterates, that we didn't get it right because we are all biased against Aborigines. But, you know, know, these accusations of racism, I'll tell you how you can knock them down in one foul swoop. At the beginning of the campaign on the voice referendum, 64 point something percent of Australians were supportive of the voice. They were going to vote yes in the referendum. But by the time we got to the referendum, they whittled down to the minority. Are we suggesting that those who change their mind are racist? They were happy to vote for it at one stage. It just shows you they dealt with the question at hand. They weren't happy with the context of the question or the model that was put forward. They didn't see it as achieving anything and they voted against it. Nothing to do with racism. Of course, exactly. And, you know, we had two very powerful Indigenous leaders who were supporting the no vote and argued it very uh, clearly and were able to explain to the waverers and the people who had previously thought they'd vote yes that this was never going to close the gap. This wasn't the solution. And, you know, instead of uh, blaming Dutton and the rest of us, you know, s- simple-minded saps who bought the, this mis- <laughs> misinformation campaign, you know, they actually denied the fact that Australians actually do have a brain yeah. and can work it out for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, thank God we escaped a bullet with yeah, that one. We, we dodged a bullet. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> I want one more topic from you to talk about because it's the most inexplicable decision I've heard from a state government for many, many years. Prue McSween, right after our news update on TNT Radio. What brings you here? News Talk Radio. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. 
Chinese President Xi Jinping arrived in San Francisco on Tuesday, where he's due to meet face-to-face -face with President Joe Biden for the first time in 12 months. As calls grow louder for a ceasefire in Gaza, the new Speaker of the US House says the idea of a truce is outrageous. And Finland is gearing up to close its border checkpoints with Russia as it seeks to prevent a repeat of the 2015 migrant crisis. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Prue McSween, this defies logic to me. The New South Wales government has employed an Islamic leader who has aired inflammatory views on homosexuality and extramarital sex, describing them as spreading all these diseases. Australian National Imams Council President Imam Shadi Al-Suleiman or some might say shady, has been appointed to a Faith <laughs> Affairs Council set to advise the government on policy impacting religious groups as well as security. So I guess hate speech is all fine under the state Labor government now, is it? Well, this is the, the farcical situation where clearly this was a tokenistic political appointment, tick the box to make sure we've got, you know, fringe groups all accommodated. Yeah. Uh, but this bloke is the leader of an organisation that failed to call out that radical hate speech and sermon at the Al Medina Dawah Centre That's where, right. you know, basically they were spreading jihad. Yep. They were jihad the is the only solution for Israel. Exactly. And, you know, the thing that annoys me is that apart from the fact that the bloke is living in another century, you know, we are in a in a community where we have tolerance and acceptance of homosexuality, of all extramarital sex, all sorts of things that perhaps is an, an anathema to him and his religious beliefs. But, you know, why this council would need to caucus ideas from a bloke like this. And I can understand they want stakeholders to give their perspective, but this bloke's an extremist and we don't want him influencing anything about our free and tolerant society. Am I right in you saying know, that this was the same bloke that Malcolm Turnbull invited to the lodge one day? for Yes. A that was yes. the same bloke, wasn't it? That was the same bloke. Yeah, right. We don't scrutinise these people. Yeah. We also that faith that that vile hate speech uh, preacher imam was also on the stage with Albanese another time. Yeah. So you know it's like tick a box. Okay, we need someone from the Muslim uh, groups. Uh, oh, this bloke will do. He's got a platform. They don't do any due diligence on them. And, you know, I don't yeah. understand how these people are allowed to stay here, but, of course, a lot of them have been born here. Yeah. But, you know, there's you have a, there's to a think, Muslim, well, There's a Muslim leader who works out of, well, Melbourne and Sydney, Karanda Sayed, who I think would be a much better go to represent the people, but uh, who am I to know? I've got to leave it there, exactly. Prue. Fabulous. Thank you very much for your extracurricular attention to those uh, <laughs> news items today. It's been a busy day, busy news day. It has been. Yeah. yeah, you've been a busy boy. I know with your media training, you're a... Yes. Multi-talented media star. Oh, I don't know. Smithy. I've still got a few days to collapse yet, so we'll see how we go. Thank you, Prue. Thanks, Smithy. Good on you. Founder and director of Verve Communications, Prue McSween. Fantastic. Now, this is where we start to uh, move into different territory entirely. This is where we put Gaza aside, all those heady issues, and we talk about things that matter to us on a daily basis, given our commitment to technology. Uh, from 
Techadvice.life. I've got Alex Zaharoff Royt on the other line. He's just joined us now. He's still connecting, I'm told. Have I got you now, Alex? Yes. How are I you? Yeah. I'm good, good. Thank you. Good. Sorry, I, I was uh, listening to you on the on the radio and I forgot that the the live stream is thirty seconds ahead of time. All <laughs> oh, right, and you forgot the fact that you were next. <laughs> well, no, 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 it's just that I'm looking at my computer, getting all the tabs ready, and right. um, I, it, there's a button you've got to push up on Zoom that says uh, Wi-Fi, or you know, there's a button you've got to press, otherwise I can't hear anything yet. And yeah. So um, I was ready, but uh, I was ready, but not ready at the same. That's time. okay, good mate. <laughs> uh, um, now Google will start deleting. Inactive Gmail accounts from next month. I can hear people now think to themselves, I remember I had a Gmail account. I remember I put some photos on the account too. I remember it's got a little bit of music there as well. Um, so if you have more than one Google Gmail address for whatever reason and you haven't logged in for a while, accounts that haven't been logged into for two years will start to be deleted from next month. Don't say you weren't warned, huh, Alex? That's right. And look, they have been giving multiple notifications over the past few months. But of course, if you haven't logged into your account, then you wouldn't know. And I have uh, my father's account. He sadly passed away a decade ago, but I keep his account alive. He still sort of gets emails to those accounts. My mother has a Gmail account, but she doesn't really use email. She's using her phone. She's using SMS, but email sort of a little bit beyond her. So you might have accounts for various reasons, even anti-spam reasons. And if you haven't opened it for a while and you do have information in there, next month is when they're going to start being deleted. So yes, you have been warned. Optus update. What was the cause of the 14-hour outage? Because at one stage, the CEO said categorically that we don't think it's an outage because of simply updating the server but she didn't know what she was talking about, did she? Well, to some degree, I mean, that was sort of correct. I mean, one thing we know is that it wasn't a cyber attack, and thank goodness for that. But there were some updates that were happening over at Singtel, the parent company of Optus, and those updates on the Singtel servers in Singapore were flowing through. They were incorrect somehow, and they were flowing through to the Optus servers in Australia. The Optus servers couldn't handle it, the the routers, and so they, they proactively shut themselves down thinking that, you know, maybe it was an attack of some sort. And Optus then, because they don't, because their servers, their routers are on the same network that they use for the for the public, they don't have a separate network to be able to get through to these routers should there be some sort of issue, because normally some sort of issue like that doesn't happen. Well, the, um, the they had to send people physically to locations around Australia to reboot and reconnect those routers. And that took hours and hours and hours. I mean, you've got to fly people to these locations. You've got to get people there. And uh, so, you know, part of the reason why they didn't say anything was because it looked as though it was the Singaporeans' fault, although obviously the Australians' uh, Optus team should have you know, been filtering requests from other networks so they don't have this particular situation happening. And interestingly, a little tidbit of interesting information, the Singtel uh, chief technology officer, a guy by the name of George Fernandez, uh, the reports say that he had uh, was had left the Canadian telco Rogers to come to Singtel, uh, where the same sort of thing had happened under his oh. watch. An outage affecting 12 million people that went for 15 hours. So this guy, <laughs> he's probably probably wondering if he's. I mean, would, has he still got a job? But yeah, like now and this is a big warning sign to telcos around the world. I mean, Vodafone, Telstra, AT and T, E in the UK, everybody. You know, are we making sure that? some rogue information from some other network can't take our network down and cause chaos for the better part of a day. That bloke sounds like a 
walking, talking voodoo doll. Um, <laughs> the only problem with this is, and I've been doing a lot of research on this and speaking to a lot of my IT kind of people, Optus does not have a redundant network on standby. This is the main problem. All around the world when something like this occurs, they go to what's called, you know, even computers have like a standby network you can you can use. Um, why don't they have a redundant network that they can switch over to to keep part of their, you know, customer base functioning? They don't have that, and that's been proved on two occasions. That's the first thing they've got to do, surely. Absolutely. And look, if they did have this redundant secondary network that was sort of separated from the first network, they could have rebooted these routers electronically just yeah. by hitting a couple of buttons. Yeah. Instead, because they were relying upon the same Physic. network that they used for production, yeah, they had to physically go. And, yeah. and, and look, that's, I mean, it would have... It would, have, it would have cost a lot of money to have it in place, but it would have saved hours and hours and yeah. all this embarrassment. And so the other thing no they've got to do, mate, the other thing they've got to do, they've yeah. got to get their communications right because on two occasions, they the way they handled it, given the fact that they cannot communicate technically with their customers, they don't even hold a press conference so you can actually communicate with them through radio, television or newspapers. They don't talk at all until maybe later that afternoon to selected media, which everyone doesn't listen to. They should be communicating what they know, even if it is only minimal, they should be communicating that as, as soon as possible. Absolutely. Look, they're a communications company that couldn't communicate. I berated them yesterday to say, how come I'm reading about the real reason for this Optus uh, you know, outage from the papers and hearing about it on the radio? Why haven't I heard from you? Yeah. I mean, you've made the same mistake again. I'm... I I've been a technology journalist for 25 plus years. I'm on your list and I'm happy to call you and contact you. And yes, you know, you'll respond to me, but you should be proactively yeah. reporting this. Even if you say we've got nothing to say yet, yeah. you know, the, 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 it's never the, it's never the um, error that people are angry about. It's the cover up yes. or the lack of information. That's what got Nixon. That's what got all the, everybody else. And uh, they, they still haven't learned a lesson. Yeah, uh, and I, I consult for companies on this issue, and I always tell them you've got to tell the truth for a start. You've got to yeah. tell them nice and early because they want to be assured yeah. and they deserve to be assured because they're customers and they're never wrong. And I always yeah. tell people that you shouldn't pick certain media to do stuff because that might make one happy, but the other 45 are not happy and they're only going to take you down as a result. I, I get the feeling that Optus is so keen on appeasing their media mates when they should be appeasing their customers, Alex? Absolutely. And look, they've been punished. Uh, Telstra had its investor day and the new CEO, Vicky Brady, was talking about how they had a, a lift, a jump in customers. This happened the same time last year when they had the big Optus hack and a lot of other smaller uh, telecommunications, you know, the mobile virtual network operators that piggyback on Telstra and Vodafone also reported their most, uh, you know, busiest times uh, in a long time. So Optus has really lost out uh, by annoying their customers so much that uh, people have jumped ship to their competitors. All right, we're going to talk about tech spies run by government. The Australian Signals Directorate has released its new cyber threat report for 2023. What are the highlights, mate? Well, there were nearly 94,000 cybercrime reports submitted to Report Cyber. This is one of the government's uh, organisations. And this is an increase of 23% compared to uh, the same time last year. Now, on average, 
one report is now received every six minutes. So the bad guys are going nuts. I mean, they went nuts during COVID and they haven't slowed down. The, the top three types of cybercrime reported by individuals were identity fraud, where someone's pretending to be you, online banking fraud, where they're you know using malware to get into your phone system or your computer and, and, and do banking fraud and steal your money, and online shopping fraud. And these three cybercrimes accounted for 52% of all reported cases by individuals. Now, you can read the full report. I've got a link to it at techadvice.life, and uh, it's uh, sobering stuff. But, you know, you really cannot take uh, internet security seriously enough. Uh, you know, the, the people like Optus are getting hacked. The big companies are getting hacked. You can get hacked. Yeah. And you've got to be up to date. You've got to be up to date with all your um, security updates and you can't fall for the, all the different tricks that are telling you you've got packages waiting for you or you know weird stuff in your email. Just be, think twice. If you're not sure, ask somebody. Ring us here on TNT Radio. Talk, go to the police station with your computer. Do anything. It's better than finding out you've been ripped off to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or worse. I got a text four days ago, uh, no, hang on, three days ago, from MyGov saying... Hmm that you have been granted the subsidy of $1,400 and you should click this uh, link to confirm receipt of the money. Well, I got on, I waited, I waited to talk to a human being. I did mm. get on eventually and they said, yes, it's um, people are getting trapped. It instantly uh gives access to the scammers to whatever is on your mobile phone. And look, that would be the case if your phone hasn't been updated or if there's a zero-day vulnerability that hasn't yet been patched by Google or Apple or somebody else. If your phone is up to date, normally such an attack would just harmlessly bounce off. But so many people don't update their phones. That's why we talk about it. Every time it's an update, we talk about it because m many people don't do it. And then when they click on one of these links in these dodgy, plausible sounding SMS, there they can get instantly hacked and bang, there, there's your money gone. Exactly. I've got to take a break. We'll do that and then come back with Alex from techadvice.life. We've got lots to talk about today, including Apple, AI, and a whole heap more, right here at TNT Radio. The European Central Bank is saying the quiet part out loud about central bank digital currency. From Washington, D.C., this is the Morano Minute with your host, TNT Radio's Mark Morano. The president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, admitted the EU's new central bank digital currency will be used to impose control. There will be control, you're right. You're completely right. Mm -hmm. We are considering whether for very small amounts, you know, anything that is around 300, 400 euros, we could have a mechanism where there is zero control. But that could be dangerous. The terrorist attacks on France uh, back uh, 10 years ago were entirely financed by those very small anonymous credit cards that you can recharge in total anonymity. Did you get that? You have to give up your freedom and use a central bank digital currency and no more cash because of a terrorist attack 10 years ago. What's the bigger threat? Tyrannical government trying to protect you or the terrorists themselves? Reject central bank digital currency. Reject the Great Reset. This is Mark Morano for the Morano Minute on TNT Radio. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. 
But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands and save our wildlife. With big solutions only nature can provide. To learn more, visit nature.org today. Where the story goes, we follow. Chris Smith on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'll be putting you in the very faithful and trusted hands of Lembic OPIC just after the news, coming up in about 15 minutes' time. But I wanted to tell you about the inaugural Conference of Australians for Science and Freedom. It brings together thinkers and community leaders to share learnings, formulate plans and help establish new and emerging networks and organisations to restore a thriving Australian society founded on science and freedom. Join the exciting lineup of health professionals, scientists, economists, lawyers, journalists and community leaders to discuss a range of hot issues, including healthcare policy, democracy and human rights, education, the media and the role of grassroots organisations. The Australians for Science and Freedom Conference, it'll be held at the University of New South Wales. They're on High Street at Kensington. Saturday, Sunday, this weekend, 18th and 19th of November, they start at 8.30 both days, end at 6 on Saturday and they uh, end at 4pm on the Sunday. TNT Radio will be broadcasting from the conference and tickets available now at scienceandfreedom.org. That's scienceandfreedom.org. Now, in the world of operating systems, Alex zaharoff Roy, most people know of Microsoft Windows and Apple's Mac OS, uh, but there's also L-I-N-U-X. Is that Linux? Well, you can be called Linux, you can be called Linux, uh, either way is fine. But yes, this, this is, is free, open, right? Yeah, open source and free. Anybody can download the source code, tinker with it. There are hundreds of distributions of Linux. People have t- turned it into their own flavor. And uh, th- there's also, for example, free and open source uh, office suites like LibreOffice and plenty of open source software. And there are people who just don't like um, Microsoft or Apple, they, they don't like corporations, they don't like ads, they want to use these free systems. And in fact, many businesses in their cloud systems and their data centers are using Linux uh, operating systems to, to run all of the, the, the services that we use today. And so about 15 years ago, there was this talk of Linux is going to take over Windows and it was going to be the year of the Linux desktop and it never happened. Huh. There are still a billion Windows users and still hundreds of millions of Mac users. But, but Linux has... Uh, matured now. There's a ver- there's a version of it called Ubuntu, which is uh, very famous. That's a, a, a South African word that I think it means goodwill or you know, words to that effect. But Fedora is another one of the Linux distributions, as they're called. And last week marked the 20th anniversary of this distribution, and uh, it was actually put onto me by the social media uh, guy from TNT Radio. He said, "Hey, Alex." Uh, uh, you know, talk, make sure you uh, have a look at Fedora version 39. And so I downloaded it. I'm running it in a virtual machine on my Mac. And it is like a, a free and open source version of Windows. You've got the LibreOffice. You have the, the PowerPoint clone, the, the Excel clone. You've got the Firefox browser. There's a little app store where you can download thousands of you different want. programs. Yeah, yeah. So now where it's really handy, obviously, if you have a brand new machine, uh, it's great to use it. But if you've got an older computer that's too old to, to run the latest versions of Windows or Mac OS, this is a great way to bring those computers back yeah. to life. But you can also use a virtual machine. Maybe there's some websites you want to visit and you don't want your main computer to be affected. You can fire up a virtual machine. There's a thing called VirtualBox. There's a bunch of free virtual machine programs. And then you can load 
Ubuntu or Fedora into that and have it running at the same time. Right. So look, this is more for the tinkerers, more for the tinkerers out there, people who want to learn. But yeah, uh, check out fedoraproject.org and I have the link on my website as well. What's NVIDIA and its new generation AI chip all about? Well, the the H100 chip is the one that is used in, in, in its thousands in the computers that open AI, who makes ChatGPT. Right. This is the chip that's powering all of that. Uh-huh. And NVIDIA became this year, early this year, a trillion-dollar company because these chips cost up to $40,000 each, and there's thousands of them in use in, in the computers that are powering AI. So they just launched the H200. It's the next generation chip. It's nearly twice as fast. And so it just means that when OpenAI next year launches ChatGPT5, I mean, it's th- this is the brains of the, the robots we see in science fiction movies. You know, the, the, the technology is going to become so human-like that we won't be able to tell the difference. Oh, it's and, scary, you know, mate. It's scary. It's scary, but it's also good because, you know, we've seen how in a lot of sci-fi movies, these these robot companions are, are, are true companions to us. And obviously, we don't want to be their pets. We don't want to have to sit there with folded hands like the science fiction movies have warned. But all these advances are making these, these AI chips smarter and better. We just have to make sure that they don't become Terminators. All right. Now, Google and Sydney Airport have teamed together and launched indoor live view at Sydney Airport in an effort to make navigation smoother and more convenient at Australia's largest airport. So this is obviously in time for the Christmas travel rush, is it? It is. And look, live view has been around for many years. You can go to uh, any street, anywhere in the world and click a button and, and it's like you're standing in front of it. But indoor live view was launched a couple of years ago to actually go inside of buildings and to give you these floating arrows on your phone sort of as augmented reality, you know, instead of having the glasses, which we don't really have yet in, yeah. in uh, you know, easily available, you can do it through your phone. So this gives you the ability to get your bearings and find your way around Sydney's airport and the three terminals, and you can go to the, you know, the baggage, the ticketing offices. You know, you've got arrows, directions, and distance markers. It really is overlaying real-life useful information on your phone that you hold up in front of you and it's helping to guide you and uh, I, I love this idea people should try it it's available on ios and android right now okay now logitech begins pre-orders for its reach camera which we spoke about a couple of months ago and which promises to be the ultimate two-in-one webcam and overhead camera what are the details here sure well this is a next generation show and tell camera and when you put something down on the table you can you can grab this camera it's got an arm that is sort of very easily movable. You can move it down and show something on your desk or show something on the screen. You can just grab it in your hands and this little camera it sort of just floats around with you. It's got an arm, so it's it's moving in 360 d- dimensions. But it has been launched on Indiegogo. It's going to sell for 399 US dollars, but right now the crowdfunding price is 259 US. This equates to 398 Australian dollars. It's about 614 Australian dollars when it launches. Probably they'll uh, reduce that to 599. But it just it just gives you this flexibility to be able to show and tell what it is you're doing, the crafts you're working on, the, if you're playing tabletop board games, if you're trying to show somebody how you're, uh, you know, soldering something on a, on a motherboard or in, intricate work, you know, maybe you're knitting or doing something. And so for creators, for people who are trying to show and tell, this is much more uh, user-friendly than trying to get your phone on a tripod. And Logitech uh, have been doing cameras for years and years and years, and they've launched this one via crowdfunding. It was funded in five minutes, and I can't personally wait to, to try one when they come to Australia. Okay. Now, tell me something. Uh, 
Google, uh, we talked, spoke about Google, but I wanted to talk about Apple. Now, what is Apple up to in terms of AI? Well, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they're spending millions of dollars a day trying to catch up to Google, to Microsoft, to OpenAI. And a new report has come out on Bloomberg from well-known Apple reporter Mark uh, German talking about how Apple is really putting the accelerator pedal down so that iOS 18 next year, macOS 15, the Apple Watch, the Apple TV, they're all going to be infused with AI. And uh, all the AI, I mean, Windows 11 now has AI in it. Google has put AI everywhere. Uh, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, Qualcomm, who makes the flagship chips for the Samsungs and other Android phones, has got AI smarts in it. So Apple is spending big to catch up. And over the next 12 months, we're going to hear a lot of leaks about how Apple is going to blow us away. And look, Apple is often late to the party, but when they come out, they do it properly and everyone then knows how to copy So, you know, and what to copy. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Apple does with AI over the next 12 months. Expect big things this time next year. Okay. And on the home security front, finally, from Arlo, who have really taken the lead in terms of home security, they've released their second generation essentials range, have they? Yeah, Arlo was the first to come out with a wireless uh, camera that uh, was battery operated. And since that time, they've come out with more and more advanced versions, 4K and all the rest. But people want systems that are much cheaper. I mean, a lot of the four camera, three camera systems are around the $1,000 mark. And whilst they're wonderful, they're a bit expensive. So they launched this Essentials range about a year or two ago, and they just launched their second generation Essentials range. They're, they've got 2K resolution, so that's more than 1080p. It's better than HD. And uh, they've got a, an Essentials outdoor camera, uh, they've got a new uh, doorbell camera that can has a 180-degree view from top to bottom, so you can see when people are placing uh, packages at your doorstep. And they also have an indoor camera with a privacy shield. So I've got all the details at my website, but if you're looking to buy cameras, there are plenty of brands out there, but uh, this Essentials range is second generation, and I, I'm an Arlo user. I love their technology, and I'll, I've received these. I'm going to review them and try them out, but so far I can see they're really good. All right. That's good to know. That's good to know. Um, I've got a Uniden system around my house, and I They're find good it too. fantastic. Yeah. You know, I've got it on my yeah. phone, so I know when people come to my door, and I can see on the cameras in both my back door and my front door who might be triggering the uh, the camera. And so if I'm upstairs, we've got two-story joint, and if I'm up the very end and I'm getting out of a shower and I can't get to the front door, I can literally press a button and talk to the bloke at the front door and say, g'day, can you just leave that package right there? Thank you. It is the, yeah. the greatest thing, the greatest toy, but constructive, practical toy I've ever had. They're very, very useful. Absolutely. And you can be anywhere in the world and get a notification, talk to somebody two-way. I've got cameras we're set up right now that are pointing at all the different you know parts of the house outside and it just gives you this peace of mind and uh, you can also have an indoor camera that has a little shield that is remains closed so you can have a camera indoors without sort of annoying your loved ones that you're always spying on them because the camera when it when it's viewing when it's actually looking the little window pops open and the the lens is visible but the rest of the time the lens is closed so i've thought of that and uh, yeah if you haven't yet looked into home security whether it's arlo whether it's Uniden, whether it's different brands. I mean, Arlo's been around for a long time, and I, I like them a lot. Uh, but uh, this technology is m vastly more advanced. I even see the ads on TV for the for the Amazon Ring system, where you know alarms are going off if you don't like who's out the front. And it's 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 a technology that has matured, and it's affordable, and it's definitely worth getting. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Fantastic to have you with us from TechAdvice.life. You'll have all of those details plus a whole heap more. 
soon after we finish our program, right? It's up there right now, and uh, I'll be listening tomorrow, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Great, mate. Thank you very much for all of that. Thanks, Thank you. Alex. Alex Zaharofroyt from TechAdvice.Live. What we'll do next Wednesday, if I can, I'll, I'll pitch for you to ask a question of Alex. We don't necessarily do that because we want to get through the information. All that information is really vital. But next week when I get him on, I'll, uh, I'll give you plenty of notice for your ability to ask questions about all of this stuff. You may have some really legitimate questions about AI or what Google is up to, what Apple is up to, what your uh, security should be on your various devices. All of that is so important at the moment. So I'll um, give you that opportunity when he returns to the program next Wednesday. But that is it for me. As I said, you'll be uh, taken care of with Lembit OPIC after the news. I'll be back here on the Gold Coast in Queensland to present another program for you, and I look forward to your company then. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio.